Hey, hello, and welcome to the Middle East Forum Speaker Webinar Series and Podcast. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. We are pleased to have Dr. Emmanuel Adolenghi, a senior fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies and author of two books on external Iranian networks, join us to discuss Iranian operations in Latin America. Dr. Adolenghi will speak for 15 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. And with that, I will turn the discussion over to Dr. Emmanuel Adolenghi. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for the uh, invitation and the opportunity to address this most distinguished forum and happy holidays to everyone. Uh, the topic of discussion perhaps is not the most cheerful one given the season, but I hope to uh, engage you uh, with uh, some interesting insights about what Iran is up to in Latin America today. And without further ado, I'd like to share my screen uh, in order to provide you with some uh, uh, interesting material, uh, especially visuals. Uh, what Iran is doing in Latin America is what Iran is doing globally. It is um, pursuing its goal to export the revolution to the four corners of the earth. Uh, Iran has begun since 1982 uh, to try and penetrate Latin America, establishing uh, cells uh, through mainly the use of soft powers uh, in order to spread its revolutionary me message, recruit converts to its cause and establish political ties to NGOs, to political movements, and wherever possible, also to like-minded regimes ready to support its political agenda. The operational center for all of the above is the Al-Mustafa International University. Uh, Al-Mustafa was established in 2007, uh, merging several pre-existing schools in the holy city of Qom in Iran. It is regime-funded and controlled directly by the Office of the Supreme Leader, uh, and it is essentially in charge of uh, recruiting, indoctrinating, radicalizing converts, and then sending them back uh, to their original countries for the purpose of amplifying the revolutionary message through the establishment of a variety of vectors and institutions. Now, in Al-Mustafa, there is a center uh, which is in charge of Latin America, and it is headed by Hojatul Islam Mohsen Rabbani, uh, who was uh, at one time the uh, imam, the religious leader of the Shia mosque in Buenos Aires, Al-Tahuid, um, and who became um, eventually the cultural attache at the embassy of Iran in Buenos Aires uh, and became implicated, as many of you know, uh, in the terror attacks uh, against the Israeli embassy and then in 1994 against the Amia bombing. He is uh, sought uh, by Argentinian authorities, and there is an international uh, Interpol red notice uh, for his arrest. So at some point he returned to Iran, but has continued to run Iranian activities in Latin America from the safety uh, of Qom. And today he runs uh, the uh, department in charge of these activities at the university, which is called the Islam Orient, Oriente, um, you know, the uh, uh, the uh, the Spanish name for uh, for the Iranian department there, and that department coordinates all proselytism uh, and propaganda activity in Latin America, both in Spanish and Portuguese. 
As I mentioned, the university was established in 2007. Uh, it is the main center for indoctrination of foreign pupils. Um, and since 2007, it has instructed, educated, uh, and provided uh, um, uh, um, uh, academic titles, uh, as well as ordained more than 50,000 students from 122 uh, nations. Many of them uh, in, uh, ordained as clerics in order to return to their native countries and run Iranian sponsor centers there, which are the main vectors for the diffusion of the Iranian revolutionary message. It is a big institution. Uh, it has an annual budget of over $80 million. Uh, it employs thousands of teachers. It has um, ongoing events, uh, cultural and religious. It manages thousands of internet platforms. It provides courses online and it has foreign branches abroad, including in Latin America, mainly in Caracas, Venezuela, and Bogota, Colombia. It has also established cultural centers in virtually all Hispanic countries in Latin America, including Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, Cuba, Ecuador, El Salvador, Mexico, and Peru, many of which, as you probably know, have very tiny if uh, or, or non-existent uh, Shia communities of Lebanese and Iranian expatriates. So the targets really are the locals to be converted, radicalized, indoctrinated, and brought over to serve the Iranian revolution. In addition to that, it has established scientific cooperation agreements with a number of Latin American universities in order to reach out beyond the cultural center attraction to those seeking um, religious uh, uh, inspiration. Um, and it uses these cooperations to radicalize students on campus. I mentioned that this is uh, a network headed by Sheikh Mohsen Rabbani, the man uh, in, implicated in the Amya bombing. Um, and below him, there are a number of Spanish and Portuguese speaking Iranian clerics or Latin American born clerics uh, who act as his lieutenants and are the ones regularly traveling in the field in Latin America in order to promote the message. Um, the activities that they promote are diverse. They include uh, seminars. They include two months trips to Iran, which are paid for by Al Mustafa, including to spouses and children of those who wish to attend. Um, some of these programs then ex are extended for those who wish to become clerics. Uh, they can stay as, as many as seven, eight years in Iran before returning to their countries. Um, there is a lot of proselytism done in Latin America, of course, to recruit. The creation of centers is a key to doing that and to expanding the training of local clerics, the promotion of academic cooperation, as I mentioned, but also the creation of local media platforms, the establishment of publishing houses and cultural association, and through those, the spreading uh, of the revolutionary message through literature, uh, cultural events, academic events, and the like. And here you can see an example of an event from uh, a uh, city uh, in northern Argentina where, um, you know, a, a lecture by a member of the Al Mustafa network in Argentina becomes also an opportunity, as you see at the bottom in Spanish during uh, this opportunity, um, 
we will explain to the attendants uh, um, the uh, you know promotion, or we will promote uh, the possibility of traveling to the Islamic Republic of Iran. So a lot of these events are geared towards recruitment. Uh, and as I said, a lot of these travels uh, are done through scholarships and financial aid in order to facilitate uh, these activities. And these activities of recruitment are continent-wide. Here you can see an example of uh, a, an advertisement on Instagram for scholarships to Al-Mustafa uh, published by the Iran-affiliated uh, uh, cultural center uh, in Bogota, uh, Colombia. I mentioned that a lot of the trainees uh, become clerics and they become therefore the heads of the centers and the mosques in Latin America. Here you, you have a few examples. Um, some of these um, more promising leaders eventually spin off out of the more the narrower religious environment of the mosques and the cultural centers become political and social activists. And that's another goal of this uh, effort, of this endeavor. It is to place some of the agents trained in Iran into the political system of their societies. And so here on the right, you have the example of uh, a trainee at Al-Mustafa from Colombia who returned to Colombia, headed the uh, Ahlul Bayt Center, the uh, Islamic Shia Center affiliated with Iran in Bogota for years, but um, last um, March ran as a Senate candidate for the parliamentary election in Colombia on a party list affiliated with the coalition linked to the current president, uh, Petro. Uh, so he tried essentially to become a nationally uh, uh, elected public leader. It failed, but this is part of a broader continental strategy, not just to uh, establish centers and influence people and recruit, but also to place the trainees, the indoctrinated um, alumni of this program into the political systems of their own societies. Uh, and of course, the message that these centers spread is not just spiritual and religious, as you can imagine. Here is one example of uh, pub political publications from the Library of Islam Oriente, the center uh, in Qom run by uh, Hojatul Islami, Hojatul Islam Rabbani. And uh, here it is a translation that can be downloaded for free. Uh, of one of the foundational texts of uh, uh, Holocaust denial and extreme uh, anti-Israel propaganda, a book written by the uh, Holocaust denier from France, Professor Roger Garaudy. Um, other uh, vectors, here is another interesting example, a publishing house established by two converts in Colombia. And this is a book that came out to uh, memorialize uh, the uh, slain uh, Iranian uh, Quds Force General Qasem Soleimani, the book called Mitio Soleimani, My Uncle or My Friend uh, Soleimani. The target audience here is uh, adolescents. It is a mixture of short anecdotes and photographs. And as you can see, you can buy it on Kindle. So this is something that uh, is part of the arsenal of activities 
um, that the um, Iranian network does, a lot of presence uh, on social media. Here you can see an example of uh, memorializing Qasem Soleimani by the director of the Islamic Center affiliated with Iran in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Uh, the gentleman, Carlos Meneses, is clearly a Brazilian born. He's a convert. He studied in Qom at Al Mustafa. And in addition to running the center with the local radio and uh, a, a publishing house, he is one of the Farsi and Arabic to Portuguese translators used by the network of publishing houses to spread Iranian propaganda. Here you can see other more recent examples of celebrating uh, the anniversary of the Iranian revolution or memorializing the anniversary of Qasem Soleimani's death at the mosque uh, in Buenos Aires, previously headed by Rabbani, today headed by a convert, uh, um, an Argentinian who converted to Islam through Al-Mustafa, uh, recruited by Rabbani, Abdul Karim Paz. So these are once again um, continent-wide activities. And of course, Iran has appropriated the most extreme anti-Israel positions as part of its propaganda. So these, um, the network that it has in Latin America spreads this message too. These are examples of uh, social media posts and uh, publicized activities or messages from a variety of these platforms in Latin America. The left is from El Salvador, um, on the right is from Venezuela to mark the Iranian-sponsored event of the um, uh, uh, World uh, Al-Quds Day, which is uh, a, a celebration of Palestinian uh, claims and rights by a uh, sponsor created by the Iranian Revolution and, and uh, organized and sponsored every year worldwide by Iranian affiliates. I mentioned the penetration in universities. This is an example of a, of a uh, center established recently in a uh, university in Caracas. You can see events uh, as well as the announcement of the establishment of this uh, um, center named after Qasem Soleimani, uh, indicating also that Al-Mustafa today has a permanent representative in Caracas responsible for Latin America, which emphasizes the importance of Latin America to this effort. Uh, here is another example from uh, Bolivia, the Universidad Pública de El Alto, uh, and here uh, are examples of other activities uh, online that, um, because of their nature and the coordination of different centers continent-wide, have uh, not just a local reach, but um, reach thousands of students. And of course, last but not least, the presence in the media, Hispan TV, the Iranian propaganda network in Spanish launched in 2012 is probably the one that everybody knows about, but the Iranian centers affiliated with Al-Mustafa have also established a number of local radio and TV operations. You can see a short list on the left. And uh, in addition to amplifying the propaganda network uh, um, and its message, these uh, platforms, of course, uh, uh, provide or host rather the expertise of trainees of Al-Mustafa as analysts, journalists, and commentators. And, and oftentimes what we find is that these uh, talking heads do not only appear on Iranian-affiliated networks, but um, freely cross uh, uh, boundaries and reappear 
in the networks affiliated with Russia, China, Hezbollah, and uh, the Bolivarian regime in Venezuela, such as Telesur and Actualitat RT, which is the Russia Today uh, in Spanish. And as you can see, uh, this is not just promoting uh, Iran and its message, but it is a coordinated effort among uh, the, let's call it, antagonist or anti-imperialist uh, front of Russia, China, Iran, Venezuela, to push back uh, what they consider to be uh, Western uh, imperialism. And here you have some examples from Hispan TV uh, recent coverage of the Ukrainian war. I chose deliberately uh, this subject uh, uh, alongside, of course, the anti-Israel narrative uh, to highlight how well-coordinated this propaganda effort is that Iran is leading in Latin America uh, together with its uh, allies and like-minded authoritarian regime. Uh, and here's a list of experts. Once again, all of these are graduates of Al Mustafa or linked to its network. And what is very worrisome, the first one uh, on the left side, Pablo Jofre Leal, and the last one on the right side, Pablo Iglesias uh, in Spain, both of them have uh, gained considerable influence and entry points uh, in the current governments of their respective countries uh, due to their political affiliation and activism. So the goal of these activities is not just to put an opinion on, on, uh, uh, on the air, it is to not just influence uh, uh, already a captive audience, but it is to go beyond and to penetrate the political systems in these countries in order to shape their policies and outlook. Um, and this is really what this is about, spreading Iran's revolutionary ideology, recruiting and strengthening a cadre of loyal followers, establish operational bases, train followers, persuade and recruit key opinion influencers, establish and develop alliances with local political movements. And of course, the most important thing is that while most of these activities are potentially soft power and influence ops, as we know from past experiences and the terror attacks in Argentina in the 1990s, when needed, these networks can be activated also to support and provide logistics and infrastructure, safe houses, protection for agents that come in in order to carry out terror attacks. So this is an extremely important and concerning uh, continent-wide network that is at our doorstep and deserves, I think, a lot more attention that is currently getting. Thank you. I hope I didn't go too long and I look forward to your questions. So sorry, I changed my screen up. All right, thank you so much. That was a great presentation. Uh, we have quite a few questions coming in. Uh, before we dive into them, you know, forgive my ignorance, but Latin America doesn't, uh, Islam doesn't come to the top of my mind as far as religions. Uh, can you discuss how many Muslims there are in, in all the countries there? Yes, of course. That's a, It's a great question and a great point. Uh, we're talking about very small minorities. I want to give you an example. Brazil. Um, Brazil, which, by the way, has one of the largest Lebanese diasporas in the world. There are approximately 10 million Brazilians who consider themselves to be uh, Lebanese Brazilians or descendants of Lebanese immigrants. Perhaps the most famous of them is the former president of Brazil, Michel Temer. Um, 
uh, the former governor of uh, Sao Paulo, uh, and, and Antonio Haddad. Uh, there's many, uh, um, many others in other countries, you know, from Shakira, the, the great singer in Colombia, and so on. Most of these are Christians, because uh, in, in truth, the large immigration that came from the Middle East uh, to Latin America came at the end of the 19th, early 20th century, was Christians running away from Ottoman lands, uh, not for nothing. They were sometimes referred uh, uh, um, dismissively, derisively, or because of ignorance as Los Turcos, the Turks, but it's because they came really from the Ottoman Empire. Um, of those 10 million in Brazil, about a million are Muslims. But of those million Muslims, only about 10% is Shia. So the Shia presence is extremely small. What's interesting about the Iranian network and outreach is that they're not targeting Muslims. They're targeting Christians. All of the people that I mentioned in my presentation, including the imams, the trained clerics, when you look at their backgrounds, most of them were Christians. Many of them were uh, extreme left, radicalized political activists. There is a couple of cases where actually some of them came out of neo-Nazi movements. The Iranians don't care where they come from. They're very ecumenical when they recruit. Um, but the target is really the non-Muslim population. Fascinating. Uh, Len follows up on that. How do the Catholic and fundamentalist churches in Latin America, uh, Latin American countries, react to the Islam imports? It's it's a great question. Uh, the one of the things that uh, you can find very openly uh, across the continent is that a lot of the institutions uh, uh, linked to Iran or of Shia Islamic communities that may have links both to Iran and Hezbollah, and that is true mainly of Lebanese diaspora communities, engage significantly in interfaith dialogue. The Iranian affiliated center in Sao Paulo, which is run by uh, an Iraqi cleric uh, who has been involved in Iranian revolutionary activities since the early 1980s, who previously operated in Tanzania and came to Brazil in 1989, um, uh, and who was named by the late Alberto Nisman, the, the Argentinian prosecutor who investigated the Amia bombing and was assassinated in, in Buenos Aires uh, a few years ago. He, in 2013, named this cleric as an Iranian government agent. And yet, when you go and look at the social media pages of his center and his mosque, he's frequently meeting the local bishops and other representatives of the Catholic Church. Now, interestingly, the interfaith dialogue that they engage in is only with one of the two other Abrahamic faiths. Uh, the Jews are not included. So that's one of the answers. Uh, the Catholic Church seems to not be paying too much attention to this, to this issue. Uh, the evangelical churches may be a slightly different uh, uh, ballgame. They are obviously, for their ideological religious predisposition, more pro-Israel. But the fact of the matter is a lot of the activities that the Iranians are engaging tend to be very low profile, very targeted, um, and in the landscape of Latin America where social uh, issues uh, are at the forefront and, and, of course, political polarization 
economic tensions and so on are at the forefront, it seems that this threat is not very much on the radar of the evangelical churches either. Thank you so much. An anonymous attendee asked, uh, or states, if nah, oh, you have mentioned Hezbollah, uh, but he asked about uh, Hezbollah activity in Venezuela and what is called the triangle area of Paraguay and the two bordering countries. Could you address the Hezbollah activity a little more? Yes. I mean, I would kindly ask you to invite me back to talk about that because you would require another whole seminar. But it is an extremely important point that that uh, the attendee raised, uh, and I'll try to be extremely brief. Uh, Venezuela, for both Iran and Hezbollah, is a forward operating base in Latin America. And that's because it is essentially a criminal uh, uh, organization with the trappings of national sovereign statehood that is ideologically aligned with Iran, that shares a lot of interest, that has become, from previously being um, a, a supporter of Iran in Iran's effort to evade sanction, it's become dependent on Iran economically. And so the gates are open and Hezbollah uh, has been able to establish its own network, to leverage the local communities, to triangulate for money laundering, drug trafficking activities with neighboring uh, states and communities in Colombia and Panama for years. And it also has its own um, reference points uh, within the Venezuelan governments were extremely friendly uh, at the highest level. So there is a high level of cooperation that involves, for example, using Hezbollah networks to launder proceeds from the illicit and environmentally devastating activities of uh, uh, gold mining in the Orinoco arc presently. Now, the tri-border area has always been, and this is Paraguay, Argentina, Brazil, has always been also a center of activities, even though the governments there are not necessarily as um, openly uh, aligned, uh, they may be friendly or there may be friendlies in these governments, but the, the ideological outlook of these governments, of course, is not the same as Venezuela. But there is a significant presence, a large community. And because the tri-border area historically is a place of illicit finance, um, evaluation assessments of its size vary wildly, but it is estimated that the worth of the uh, illicit economy just in that area is between five and 20 billion dollars a year depending on who you ask so it creates an opportunity for hezbollah to launder money and by leveraging a commission on its services of course funding its activities in the middle east it's very important it has drawn more attention than uh, previously in the last few years by u.s authorities but that attention ebbs and flows and it is my humble opinion that it deserves a much closer scrutiny Absolutely. Thank you. An anonymous attendee asks, is there any opposition in Iran to the money spent in, on the Latin American pro, uh, program? And Deborah Glazer follows up, uh, is there any evidence that the current protests in Iran are weakening the appeal of these uh, Iranian efforts? So I, I don't think that uh, the Iran, it's a, it's a very good point. Uh, I don't think that uh, Iranian protesters are zeroing in specifically on uh, the Latin American activities, but there is plenty of, of, of evidence out already and also from previous waves of protests 
that the Iranian public resents the national priorities of the regime in spending uh, on this type of adventurism abroad over prioritizing the needs and welfare uh, of, of its population, let alone uh, its freedoms. Uh, certainly, if this protest were to have uh, a radical, provoke a radical change in Iran, I suspect a lot of Iran, Iran's and Hezbollah's activities in Latin America would be among the first ones to suffer. Uh, but it doesn't seem to be the case that uh, these networks have suffered, and it doesn't seem to be the case that Iran's investment in promoting and exporting its revolution abroad so far uh, has felt the pressure from the street. Let's hope for that for the future. Of course, thank you. And uh, Barry Werner here gets to the right to the point. Why does the West, especially the U.S., tolerate this? And what can we do going forward to curb this? So unfortunately, um, and this I think is uh, it, it, it is a bipartisan neglect, Latin America rarely gets to be a significant foreign policy priority here in Washington. I think that whatever you know, praise or criticism you can make in other areas of the Trump administration, uh, it was a little bit of the exception to previous both Republican and, and Democratic presidents in that President Trump did take uh, um, uh, sort of invest more of his administration's attention to uh, Latin America. And I have to say also under the Biden administration, what we're seeing is more attention to Latin America, not necessarily to Hezbollah, Iran, and the threats they pose, but to corruption, which is a key critical tool for these networks to operate. So it may not be a direct threat to their uh, survival, survivability, and uh, effectiveness, but it is an indirect threat because it targets their enablers. So one recommendation I would have is to strengthen the efforts uh, by the current administration and future administrations to target those facilitators and enablers in the public administration, government agencies, law enforcement, border, custom, you name it, uh, especially of allied countries that very much depend on the United States for their security, trade, uh, and prosperity in order to stamp out the corruption that enables this network to operate, thrive, and ultimately finance terrorism and Iranian adventurism in the Middle East. Thank you so much. And we have so many wonderful questions that I would love to ask, but unfortunately, we're out of time. Before we go, can you tell our viewers where we can find some more of your work? You can look up my work uh, at the uh, Foundation for Defense of Democracies in Washington, where I'm privileged to work uh, with great many colleagues who deal with a lot of other issues. And our website is www.fdd.org. Thank you so much. Uh, we've come to the close of our webinar. Thank you again, Dr. Adelangi, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you and happy holidays to everyone. Thank you. Same to you. For our viewers, please be on the lookout for our weekly webinars offering email coming out over the weekend. Thank you all for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day and happy holidays.